You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. This is your host, Alex Barallo, checking in. Uh, We were supposed to have a roundtable discussion for tonight, uh, but there has been some changes within the last hour or so. Um, Glenn had to go in and take a last-minute shift at his job, so he might be calling in around the 7 p.m. mark. Uh, That's a possibility. Also, uh, there's a giant rain and windstorm hitting the uh, metro area in New Jersey and uh, New York, so Dylan lost power in his house. So if he gets power, I imagine he'll be calling in, but Dylan might not be uh, joining us tonight due to a power outage in his area. So I'm going to hold down the fort uh, until maybe one of the two gentlemen join me, which I definitely hope they do. Uh, Okay, folks, so uh, tonight we had several topics put in place that we wanted to discuss. Uh, I'll go over some of them right now. Uh, There were some comments that were made by Joe Namath, which were a little alarming. We were going to discuss that. There was also a rumor that's been circulating, um, maybe more between, you know, the the Jets universe about a trade with Robbie Anderson coming back to New York. Um, And then we were also going to go into a little bit of a deep dive on the NFL Combine as that is coming up next week. There's also been some articles that have released over the last 24 to 48 hours um, in regards to the NFL Combine bubble. And uh, there have been some rumors about players and agents possibly uh, protesting the NFL Combine. We were going to discuss that as well. And then lastly, we wanted to have a small draft debate um, in regards to what the Jets should do with their 10th overall pick in the first round. Uh, Dylan came up with this idea, and, uh, you know, his question was played out as, what should the Jets do at draft pick 10? Should they go wide receiver or should they go cornerback? And that was something that we were going to have a roundtable discussion on tonight. I will go ahead and uh, give my takes on that. Unfortunately, um, you know, we won't be able to hear the other guy's stuff, um, their, their uh, opinions on the matter. And uh, I just got a message from Dylan. Looks like his situation hasn't gotten any better. Uh, so it looks like Dylan will not be joining us. So before I get into tonight's discussion, uh, I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Miles Social, uh, for their support to Jet Nation. We love what you guys do for us. Um, if you're a business owner and you're looking to improve your company's social media presence, go to milesocial.com and see what they can do for your business today. That's M-I-L-E. S-O-C-I-A-L dot com. Okay, folks, so uh, we're going to start off with uh, Joe Namath, the legendary quarterback of the New York Jets. Uh, He was doing an interview about two weeks ago, I want to say, and um, 
he had some comments that seemed a little alarming about Zach Wilson uh, and, and his future. Um, you know, some people chimed in on it, were a little alarmed about it. Um, some people understand it. Uh, but here is the uh, quote coming from Joe Namath in regards to rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. Joe says, I think there is a side of school that is still out, a side that is still out. We, we have to see more, but the other things – the other thing is it takes a group. Zach couldn't perform his best for a couple of reasons, and he isn't there yet, certainly. The team isn't that solid, and he needs more help around him. With help around him, it is amazing how much better a guy can play. He certainly has the physical ability to buy time and throw strikes. Most guys can improve on their accuracy and should in this day and age practicing year-round. I like him, but I don't know how long he is going to last. We'd like for a guy to be six foot six, six foot seven back there in the pocket. The school is still out on how Zach Wilson is going to do. So this is a pretty uh, critical comment by Joe Namath. Um, he's been known to say some things that are a little, um, you know, alarming uh, from his interviews, and um, you know, we know well of his past um, on television and things like that. Um, Joe is not afraid to just speak off the top of his mind. Uh, I don't have too much of a problem of, of what Joe said. Uh, you know, it's completely fine to look at a rookie and, you know, say, okay, we're not seeing the best of him because his supporting cast does not exactly add up to what the Jets need to be a successful team. You know, that's one aspect of it. Um, the other aspect is, is that, you know, if the guy is that good, he would be able to improve and have the players rise around him. And that's another good point. Um, and that's kind of what you hear when you talk about, you know, good players becoming great and making the people around them better than maybe they were projected to be or what people thought that they could be. So it was a very, very interesting comment um, from Joe. Uh, again, you know, I don't have any issues with what he said. I think it's still a little too early to be critical on him. Now, maybe when Joe was looking at these, uh, all these quarterbacks in the 2021 draft, perhaps he had somebody ahead of him. Um, don't know who that would be uh, that has a higher ceiling. Uh, but, you know, he is speaking off of, you know, a guy that was up and down for majority of the year. Uh, he had a lot of turnover problems. And it wasn't until the later back end of this, this previous season where Zach was showing some improvement. So uh, if you're going to take a look at everything that he's done thus far, it's obviously not that impressive. Again, it's year one. He came from, you know, not one of those premier, you know, top 25 schools in the nation. Uh, but, you know, Zach does show a lot of impressive things from a talent perspective with his arm, and uh, clearly he has a lot of room to improve, to do better, uh, you know, to make this offense run a lot smoother. So, uh, you know, that's nothing that hasn't been said before, and, you know, uh, I completely understand exactly where Joe is coming from. Just at this point in time, uh, I'm not ready to put, you know, the full – synopsis on on Zach Wilson and and project him as of yet you know at the moment I think that he still does have a good high ceiling 
and that uh, Joe is right. If you do find more talent and surround him with a better group, I believe that you, we will see a better offense moving forward. So some things I do agree with. Um, other things, you know, maybe Joe was being a little too critical. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a fair take. And, uh, you know, I'm sure um, Zach's not taking this to heart. He seems to have pretty thick skin. Um, I just know a lot of people like to uh, get defensive, you know, when you start uh, taking shots at the quarterback. Okay. Uh, the next topic of discussion that we were looking to get into tonight was the Robbie Anderson rumor. I personally don't know where this originated or how it happened. Um, I saw it about a, a week, a week and a half ago, and uh, it just seems to be getting more and more traction as the days go by. We're getting closer to March and, and the free agent frenzy. Um, you know, currently, um, for those of you who may not know, Robbie Anderson is still under contract with the Carolina Panthers. He's currently owed $8.8 million this season. So if the Jets wanted to obtain – oh, apologies. Um, that's his 2023 uh, baseline pay. For 2022, he's owed $10 million dollars. So uh, that's a little bit more money. Uh, There is an opt-out clause in his contract in 2023. But if the Jets wanted to make a move and obtain Robbie Anderson and get him back in this lineup, they would have to do it via trade. And then we're, you know, getting into that world, what is the proper compensation for Robbie Anderson? Um, Would this be smart for Joe Douglas to do? Or would this put egg on his face because he – was not successful in signing him to a long-term deal uh, a couple of years ago when he was up in uh, free agency. Apparently some offers were made. They weren't where Robbie had wanted them to be. Apparently where Joe had valued his um, talent and his contract did not equate to what the Carolina Panthers offered him. Uh, I do believe that uh, Joe Douglas was, uh, a little regretful uh, when he was asked about that uh, because, you know, he is a, a very, very talented player. And once he left, the receiving cast that we had in-house um, was clearly not getting it done uh, as far as creating a good offense and as far as creating a, a winning uh, team. So clearly uh, you could say that possibly Joe Douglas – probably kicking himself for not making a better deal for Robbie Anderson. We, we don't really know that. Um, you know, my personal opinion is I, I always liked Robbie Anderson. I thought he was a good player for us, but, um, you know, a lot of people like to say he's a one-trick pony. He only, you know, can stretch the field. Uh, I think he's capable of doing more than that. Um, he His play or his consistency was hand-in-hand with his quarterbacks, which were not great. And, uh, you know, last year his numbers were up and down because uh, the Carolina Panthers, you know, quarterback situation is not that much better either. Um, They had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup um, last year as well, and they dealt with a lot of injuries too. So uh, if you are going to make a move for Robbie Anderson, I'm not even sure what the compensation would be. Is a third-round pick good enough? I know I don't feel comfortable giving up a second-round pick. Uh, because our second-round picks are relatively early uh, this year. I think we're in – we've got two picks under the top 40 
in the second round. So that, that those are really, really good premium picks. And if you're going to go wide receiver with one of those picks, you're going to get a player that's going to be significantly less as far as, you know, salary concerned. And then you're also going to get a four-year option to lock up that player to where if we trade for Robbie Anderson, we're only going to be uh, getting him for the next two years. And by the end of his contract, he'll be 30 years old and the Jets will have had to pay out 18 to $19 million. So would that be good for the Jets' future? Uh, if they win, if they win ball games and they go to the playoffs, we could say yes, but we don't know if that's going to happen. At the moment, right now, it does not seem like it adds up from a salary uh, perspective. And as far as getting a, a receiver for Zach Wilson uh, for more than two years, that's just not possible. We would have to revisit and work in an extension, and then we would be working with a player that's what they, you know, air quoting here, over the hill in his 30s. So. I don't think it would be lucrative for the Jets to go after Robbie Anderson um, just due to what they may have to uh, come up with and they, what they would have to trade may not end up being as much of value for the team. So I'm, I'm not sure, you know, that would be a possible uh, thing for the Jets to, to do. Um, I wouldn't do it. It's kind of how I feel about it. I think that there are some really, really talented wide receivers uh, that we could probably get in that second or third round. And, you know, again, you know, some of these guys would have potential to be starters um, rather quickly uh, due to the lack of depth that we have in that position group. All right. So this, we're going to go over to our third topic here. Kind of going a little bit fast tonight um, without having my uh, my other – hosts with me um, and having their opinions to share on this matter. I feel like I'm flying through the show here, so bear with us tonight. I'll try to stretch these out as long as I can um, and hoping that uh, Glenn comes in soon to uh, add to the conversation. So our next uh, topic for this evening is about the NFL Combine. Uh, It is beginning on March 1st. Um, That's what we are assuming and hoping, uh, but as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, uh, there are some rumors about a protest going down. And I was doing a little bit of reading on this. I don't have all the full details on the matter, but it looks like, you know, according to the agents of certain players, they're a little put off by the bubble restrictions that the uh, NFL is creating. Um, Some of the things that I had read, is that there will be a vaccinated medical assistant assigned um, to the the individual who's participating. Uh, There is a limited amount of coaches and staff that these players will be able to work out with and communicate with because they do not want these players to be overexposed to a lot of people. That just increases the risk of, you know, getting sick and then, Uh, possibly bringing that into the combine itself and then getting other players sick. So I kind of understand um, these guys are going through a process and, you know, a lot of players are going to improve their draft stock by being able to compete without any restrictions in the combine. combine. Uh, And, you know, if someone is, 
kind of on the the cusp and you know teams are not really sure where they want to put them on their draft board you know the combine is a great way as far as interviews and um getting involved in you know their tests that they have and you can escalate yourself very very quickly within those few days if you excel in certain areas so I understand that players feel that they might be missing the opportunity to improve their stock. And I also understand the NFL side of it to where uh, they want everyone to be safe. They want these rookies to be safe. um, And they don't want this uh, virus to spread any further than it already has over the last two years. There wasn't a combine last year due to the, the COVID pandemic. And uh, you know, they're trying to do the best that they can to get this going. Uh, at, for next week. So um, if a protest does come down, it'll be interesting on how many people will be participating in that and if there are going to be top-tier guys that you know are going to walk away from it and say, I'll take my chances with uh, you know doing personal visits and whomever's interested in me is going to have to um, you know reach out to that college coaching staff and, and have conversations with them and, and go to the film and, and do the eye test. So all this stuff is particularly interesting as far as, you know, how this is going to play out. And I'm sure as the days go by, we'll, we'll get more information on whether or not if this protest will take place or not. Uh, I kind of hope it doesn't, but at the same time, everybody has to do what they need to do uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's money on the line, there's people's health on the line, um, and that that stuff matters. And, um, you know, we can't speculate or tell somebody how to conduct themselves in a situation like this when a pandemic's involved. So uh, that's going to move me over to um, my players that um, I'm interested in and hopefully are going to be competing and doing great things in the combine. This is uh, my players to watch. Um, I'm going to start it off with uh, Devin Lloyd, linebacker from Utah. I uh, was watching some of this guy's film the other day. Uh, really, really impressive stuff. Uh, my previous show, I was talking about the Jets acquiring another athletic linebacker to pair up with C.J. Mosley, somebody that can help him play with you know sideline to sideline, um, help him not only in pass coverage, but in the run game and creating a little bit of a pass rush as well. And I kind of feel that Devin Lloyd checks all these boxes. Um, you know, where he's ranked on the board, too early to say. Um, I couldn't tell you if he's going to be a first or a second or a third-round pick at this point in time. Um, you know, as far as positional value is concerned, when you're talking about interior linebackers, uh, you really won't see – too many of them inside the top 20 of the draft unless they're super freaks. Um, I'm not sure if Devin Lloyd fits that, uh, those characteristics or those categories rather. Um, But, you know, seeing him in the combine and seeing how he tests out might help us out there. Um, You know, I wrote some, some notes here. Um, One thing I noticed, he's complete, he's very agile, uh, really, really good feet. His IQ for diagnosing, to play right off the snap, whether it's pass or run. He's really, really good at that. He's a monster inside the tackle box. Uh, really, really good um, form and uh, doesn't miss a lot either. Um, to give you guys a little bit of his statistics, 
Um, in his career in college, he had 43 tackles for a loss, so he's a havoc in the backfield. Um, he also had 15 and a half sacks. Um, he had a personal best last year of seven sacks, um, and that's really good for an interior linebacker. Um, he also had five interceptions, so that shows his ability to be a playmaker against the pass, and he had three defensive touchdowns. So any guy that has the ability to um, help you create turnovers and possibly put points on the board or you know, make crucial plays behind the line of scrimmage, those are the kind of players that we need on our defense. You know, as I spoke about in last week's show, the Jets let up the most points in the NFL, over 500. So getting a player like Devin Lloyd from Utah, I believe, would be an absolute asset to Robert Sala's defense. For uh, combine watch is Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State. Um, this is somebody that I get very, very excited about. Um, he's possibly one of those players that I was going to refer to in our debate about cornerback or wide receiver at pick 10. Uh, if you go and you watch some film on Garrett Wilson, you may not see too many promising things from early on in his career. And I chalk that up to him being behind, you know, some really, really good receivers like, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin and another guy uh, named Chris Olave, who, you will definitely hear more about as we get closer to the draft. Um, Both of these guys um, were exceptional wide receivers, so it's no surprise to me that Wilson had to work his way up in the ranks last year, given the opportunity to not have to compete for that number one spot or the number two spot. He was able to excel. He had over 12 touchdowns last year. Um, He does really, really well. Um, you know, if you're running a vertical style offense and, you know, you need somebody that can run, you know, the shallow crossers that come through zone coverage, um, you know, on option routes, he's really, really good at making cornerbacks look silly. If you make a full step, he will uh, blow right by you and, you know, turn on the jets and, and take the top off the defense. You saw a lot of plays where he was dominating with uh, the play action. Uh, game. So, you know, these are things that those are specific traits that I think would fit quite well within our offense. Uh, I do believe that uh, we do need another type of player um, to add to the talent level that we have in Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. Um, I would say Denzel Mims, but after last season, I really don't know what Mims' future um, entails for this offense if he's going to find a way to carve out a role for himself or if he's possibly going to be, um, you know, buried on the bench like he was majority of this year. Um, I think that Garrett Wilson will be at his best playing from inside as a slot receiver. Um, you know, his breakaway speed is got to be one of his, uh, his best traits. So you want to get him the ball rather quick and then just let him, uh, you know, do what he does and, and turn on the afterburners. Uh, his route running, I think, is, is pretty crisp and definitely solid. Uh, did see some focus drops, which will probably be frustrating, um, but that's something that can easily be fixed just with time and focus and, uh, you know, as he gets acclimated to the game, you know, that's got to get cleaned up. Otherwise, you know, he will not be seeing opportunities whatsoever. 
Okay, so that is my second uh, prospect to watch for, Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. And lastly, uh, my third guy is Zion Johnson, uh, an interior offensive lineman, having penciled in as a guard from Boston College. What I what I really liked about from what I saw from uh, Zion Johnson was he fits well for a zone running scheme, which absolutely um, – correlates with our uh, running offense and Michael Carter and the team that we have. We've got athletic linemen that can move, um, help our guys, you know, get those lanes and carve up the defense. Uh, So that's good to have somebody um, that has great lateral ability. I think his physicality is right where you want it to be. He's very, very balanced, and I love the way he strikes with his hands, Um, really knows how to engage and disrupt the defensive linemen from uh, trying to get after the quarterback. Uh, you know, as I was speaking uh, in a previous episode about the Jets' weaknesses, um, one of the positions that we were talking about was the interior offensive line. Zion Johnson, I believe, would be one of those players that could be available to the Jets um, with one of our early second-round picks, and then that would be a potential starter. Now, is it risky to go through March not address the offensive line and hope that a player is available to you in the second round, probably not the great plan. Um, I would imagine that Joe Douglas is going to bring in two, if not three vets in the interior um, offensive line before we get to the draft. And then this way, if there is somebody that we can select that we hope that can be a starter uh, from day one in the draft, it makes life a little bit easier Um much better to part ways with a free agent in training camp than go into the draft, not address it at all, and then you're reaching for whomever you feel is a, is available at our draft pick and maybe taking a player that does not have what we need or could underperform for what we're looking for. So, you know, that's uh, just the way my mind works when I'm looking at this thing here, but I do like what I've seen from Zion Johnson, and if he's available as a possible day-two pick, I think that that would be really, really good for the Jets with what they're trying to do. And um, at the end of the day, not only do we need to get Zach Wilson more talent, um, uh, you know, as far as you know, running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers for him to work with, but we also need to keep his jersey as clean as possible, and that starts right up front with our guys in the trenches. Okay. It is getting closer to the 7 o'clock window, and I am flying through the topics tonight. Um, So I'm going to try to stretch this one out as long as I possibly can and hope that maybe Glenn will be calling in to give us some of his insight because I know that he's been very anxious to uh, connect with Dylan and I and get some draft conversation. And, um, you know, this is all we really live up, live up for um, during our off seasons with the Jets, unfortunately, is uh, our potential draft picks and what could be. Um, but this is, uh, this was Dylan's topic and, and Dylan, next time we get together on the show, uh, please remind me to uh, bring this up again so we could get your, your takes as this is your topic. So the topic um, that I'm going into tonight is what should the Jets do with the 10th overall pick? And if it's down to two positions, 
Should it be cornerback or should it be wide receiver? Uh, very good question. Um, this is a scenario that I definitely see the Jets having to make a critical decision on. And uh, the, the way that I've been looking at the big board um, from numerous sites, um, you know, everybody's got different players plugged in different spots, and uh, it makes it a little bit harder to see um, how, how the true big board will play out. Uh, but at the moment right now, I'm looking at the CBS uh, prospect rankings here. So as far as the wide receivers that they have available, uh, they have Garrett Wilson, who I just mentioned. CBS ranks him seventh overall on their big board. You have Jamison Williams from Alabama. He's ranked 10th. You have Traylon Burks, who's ranked 17th. You have Drake London at 18, and then you have Chris Olave, who I mentioned earlier as well, at 23, and then I'll go as far as the 40th-ranked um, player, George Pickens from Georgia, and the 56th-ranked player, Jahan Dotson. So that's, that's seven different wide receivers that I've mentioned that have been ranked in the top 56 by CBS. Now, like I said, everybody's got different big boards. Um, this is the one that I'm going to talk about tonight. And when I look at the wide receiver position, um, and I've looked at previous positions, and I've seen previous uh, top wide receiver draft picks being talked about like they're going to be the next Jerry Rice, just to be dramatic, um, and fall very, very short, well, well short of the expectations. Um, I think Mike Mayock said it a couple of years ago and said that one of the hardest positions – to determine in the NFL draft is the wide receiver position. And it's interesting because he took Henry Ruggs in one of his uh, drafts from not too long ago. And obviously we know that Henry Ruggs situation has fallen apart due to lack of performing in, you know, his short career. And then he had a critical accident and uh, no one knows what's going to happen with his future at this point. But his point was, is that you see a player going against young men in college that are still trying to get their game together, um, that are not very sound or technical and have what it needs to be a starting NFL quarterback, and a lot of these kids do get exposed. Um, um, you look at speed, you look at the route running, um, you look at all those different things, and then – you look at what seems to be an awesome player in the NFL draft, I'm sorry, in uh, college, and then when they come to the draft and they make it to the pros, all of a sudden it's like that player disappeared. And you're not seeing them get that separation. You're not seeing them run those crisp routes. Um, they're having focus drops. They're not getting off the line of scrimmage and getting bumped off by man coverage or bump and run coverage. You know, a lot changes. And then you're sitting there scratching your head saying, I don't understand you know, this guy was cooking up defenders on the field in college, and now he can't even get, you know, a simple 10-yard out. So um, what happened? What's wrong with this player? What's wrong with this offense? What's wrong with the offensive coordinator? Let's blame the head coach. You know, fingers get pointed everywhere when these things happen. So, you know, my understanding is that if you're not completely 100% sure that the player that you're going to take at 10 is, you know, air-quoting generational talent, that is going to single-handedly take your team and excel them to the next level, I think it's very, very risky to take a, 
a 10th overall pick at wide receiver. Now, Garrett Wilson, I might say, is the exception to the rule, but then you have people that will debate, you know, is a slot receiver have the positional value that warrants a pick at 10th overall? And that's a good conversation to be had because a lot of times you hear people rank positional value over other players. And for me, I like to take a look at players from a talent perspective. If Garrett Wilson has the most talent of all the players that are available and his ceiling is extremely high, but slot receiver is not as high of positional talent, now you're in a little bit of a predicament here. If he comes into the fold and he ends up being a superstar all pro, then you know you got it right. If he ends up being just an average or slightly above average receiver out of the slot position, then you could say that the Jets went a little too early and should have traded back a few picks and acquired more and then taken them at 15 or 17 or 18. You can get real, you know, nitpicky with this kind of stuff. Um, so for me, if, it, if, if the player is not going to be like the next A.J. Brown or the next Brandon Marshall, um, you know, if he's not going to be, let's just say, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson or you know, one of those type of players. Now, I know that a lot of these players were not drafted in the top ten, um, but their value as of now, they probably would be. So that's why I say if the player's talent completely goes over the positional value and they're air quoting a lock to improve your offense, I can justify a wide receiver at 10. Otherwise, I think it would be much safer and I think it would be smarter for the Jets to go cornerback with the 10th pick just because cornerback has higher positional value and looking at the way our defense played last year, and I'm not trying to knock all the corners, but when you've let up 500 points on defense, if you have the ability to match Bryce Hall, who I feel is on his way to be a number one corner and maybe not a lockdown guy, but being one of the top pass defenders last year and being one of the people leading all the corners in the league with pass deflection shows me that he has the ability to have tight coverage and make whomever's in front of him, you know, almost disappear. I love what I'm seeing from Bryce Hall. So if you get another corner to bring in there, now you have a 1A, 1B. What's, what a bet, better scenario than to have two fantastic corners on your outside for your defense? Now, people will say, oh, pass rush, edge, this and that. I understand that. You can get coverage sacks. You don't necessarily exclusively get sacks from an edge rusher or or a dominant edge rusher. If your secondary can do their job and blanket their receivers and leave zero options for the quarterback, they're going to hold on to the ball, they're going to hesitate, they're going to have to scramble, and then eventually your guys will get there and either get the QB hit or the pressure or the hurry or possibly the sack. So you can accrue more sacks by having better defensive coverage in your secondary. I definitely believe in that philosophy. So 
you know, if I had my choice and I wrote my notes down here, you know, my top two choices would be either Hutchinson, um, the defensive end edge guy uh, from Michigan. Uh, that would probably be, you know, my 1A, 1B here. Um, and Sauce Gardner, Ahmed Gardner, um, the six foot three, uh, 200 pound or maybe 220 pound corner. Um, I haven't looked at his numbers. I got to look back at that. Uh, I do believe he's around six, three, 200 pounds. I have it right here, but that's my understanding. Um, is that he's one of the top corners in this draft. And I, I do feel that it would be a, a complete knockout of the park for Joe Douglas and the Jets if they are able to to get a lockdown corner at either four or at ten. Um, now, I know a lot of people are debating uh, that we should go offensive line or we should possibly go um, edge at the number four pick. And the way that I look at that position is that if Hutchinson's gone and he's the number one consensus edge rusher and number two is Thibodeau and if he's not available for whatever reason or if he is, I'm looking at this as um, with the number four pick, you should be getting the best player on the board and you should be getting the best player at that particular position group. Um, so if, it, if there's ICAM, uh, Econ, oh, I knew I was going to ICAM, Econua, sorry about that. I butchered that. Um, that's the offensive lineman from NC State. Um, you know, if he's available there, I would, much, I would feel much more secure taking a player like that as a blue chip player that's going to protect Zach Wilson than reach on the number two edge rusher or reach on the number two uh, corner. But if the number one corner on the board is available and it happens to be Sauce Gardner, that's what I want to do with my fourth pick. Um, and then that would probably lean more to looking at wide receiver at 10, um, you know, some players that I would be interested I think I've already mentioned Garrett Wilson as one of my wide receiver picks at 10. I think Drake London, um, who gives me a little bit of Brandon Marshall vibes, big guy, 6'4", 6'5", really, really physical, um, great against contested catches. You want to do a 50-50 ball, a jump ball, good chance he's coming down with it. Um, You know, and then some other players like Jamison Williams, um, you know, he may be up there as far as another player that's in consideration um, for a first-round talent wide receiver. Now, those are the kind of guys I would be looking at at 10. Um, if the Jets were to go offensive line or pass rusher with that number four pick, and now the decision is cornerback wide receiver at 10, I'll lean on the defensive side and go corner at 10. Um, you know, if Derek Stingley, um, who is kind of one of the people that – keep going back and forth between um, Gardner and Stingley as the number one consensus as the overall corner in this draft class. Problem is with Stingley is that over the last two years, he's been quite injured and uh, there's some, you know, red flags on whether or not if he's going to be able to get healthy and go through a full season or, you know, and, and if you draft somebody, especially, you know, at four or 10 and they end up being, on the sidelines dealing with injuries throughout their, their whole rookie contract, obviously it's going to be considered a bust. So Stingley, even though he has all the talent to be the number one corner in this draft, uh, his injuries may be too much. Um, and certain teams may not feel comfortable going that route due to his history. 
but as far as, you know, his tool set, as far as being a corner, he has everything that you would want from being a lockdown corner. And he has that ability. Problem is, will he be healthy? And we know from the last few years the Jets have not been healthy, and the last thing that they may need to take a risk on is a player with a lot of injury concerns. The other player, somebody that Dylan and I talked about um, several weeks ago, and that was Trent McDuffie. Um, We talked about, I believe, it was Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft that he did, and McDuffie was, uh, I believe, that 10 pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And we talked a little bit about him. I think that that would be completely fine as well. Um, You know, again, you want to do positional value. You want to take a look at perspective on injuries and other things like that. Um, Maybe Trent McDuffie is a little bit ahead of Stingley due to Stingley's history, uh, but I don't think he's ahead of of Gardner, uh, Sauce Gardner at all. But I think if you start off the draft with either – the top tackle in the draft at four or the, or one of the top pass rushers. I think that's a good start. And then I think going to corner in that sec uh, with our second first round pick would be huge. And I think that the Jets would benefit the most from a scenario in that manner. Um, I do like the, the concept of getting, you know, elite talent for Zach Wilson, but I do feel that out of the seven receivers that I had mentioned from CBS's board, um, you know, if a Chris Olave happens to slip into that second round and we have an early third round, second round pick, or uh, perhaps the Johan Dotson or George Pinkins, I'm completely fine taking a second round wide receiver. I think any of those guys could be as good as some of the ones that we may see come out of the first round. And that happens every year in every draft where second and third round wide receivers perform better than some of the guys that maybe are just considered speedsters. Every year there's a guy that goes into the combine and blows everybody away with their speed, and they were talked about as a second or a third-round pick, and now all of a sudden they're in the top 25 or the top 20 for the first round, and it's all because they ran fast in a, in a 40 with, you know, four ounces of clothes on and no pads and nobody running in front of them, nobody impeding their way. So we see that stuff happen all the time, and I'm just thinking that I don't think the Jets can get silly by reaching on a player that may be equal to skill set and talent that could be found in the second round. So if I had my way, I would look toward, you know, maybe going offensive line and defense to start off the draft or possibly – going pass rusher and corner at 4-10, and ten. shore up your defense, get Robert Sala a couple blue-chip guys that he can add to this defense and, and make some serious changes as far as, you know, next year's um, defensive group. If, if that can happen, I think that's a very, very good start for the draft. And then when you're looking at the second-round pick, we can go more toward the offensive side, you know, look at for an interior offensive lineman, in the, in, the, in, the, in the event that there's a Trey McBride available, who's the number one tight end in this draft class, that's an easy no-brainer. And then if you want to take another receiver with our second second-round pick, I think that that would really, really be of good value for Zach Wilson because you get two premium picks to start off the draft on defense, and then you get two premium picks in the second round to contribute to the offense. 
I think that makes a balanced draft. I think going into, um, you know, this next season, uh, that could only be a positive and, and an added bonus for our team. Okay, so I'm looking at the board here. Uh, we're right at the 7.15 mark. Um, let me just check messages. have not seen any messages coming in from Glenn. Um, knowing my luck, I'll close the show within the next couple minutes, and then Glenn will call directly after. Um, <laughs> I do apologize, but uh, not having um, – my buddies here to extend the conversation on the topics tonight. Um, I'm pretty much tapped out on what I've got. That's 45 minutes straight in the books thus far. So I'm going to close the show uh, right as we speak. Um, it would have been nice to have this uh, discussion to get the, the opinions of the other guys, but things do happen when duty calls, you know, especially with work, you got to answer, and nobody can foresee what nature's going to do. And unfortunately, Dylan, hopefully you were not sitting in the cold in the dark, uh, you know, for, the, for, for too much longer, and your situation improves. Looking forward to getting together with uh, Glenn and Dylan possibly maybe next week. Um, my schedule's up in the air. I'll be on vacation, so I may not be available, but maybe Dylan and Glenn will get together and put together a show for next week. Uh, more details to follow on that. Uh, but now's a good time to do some, some plugs for some of the other guys that we have at Jet Nation. Um, if you do not know, uh, we do have a website, jetnation.com. We've got a fantastic forum out there. You have to get involved. We have an app. You can download the app. It takes you all to our articles, um, our YouTube videos that Glenn has been putting together, uh, we've got Green Bean out there. He's doing stuff on all different platforms, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Green Bean is just all over the place. Um, and we love everything that he does, so you've got to go follow him. And, uh, yeah, everything is at jetnation.com. Folks, thank you so much for stopping by. I'm definitely looking forward to the Combine. Hoping everything works out and everybody comes to an agreement and we don't have any protests, but, you know, we will find out within the next couple of days if anything's going to take place. I can't wait to see what some of these guys can do as far as performing in the bench, um, you know, who, who steps up, who falls down the board, um, how do people test out medically, a lot of questions to be answered with the Combine preparing us for our free agent frenzy, and our April draft. Definitely getting very, very excited. I know it's near end of month in, uh, in February here, and we got a long way before we see the Jets out on the field, but uh, each week we get closer. So, again, thank you for everybody for stopping in. Uh, be well, stay safe, and as always, let's go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!